Um, we're uh, going to be in James today. The title of the sermon is Words Matter to God. And um, this is not, for many of us, this is not unfamiliar. For some of us, we will be looking at this with fresh eyes. And for some of us, we will be looking at it from perhaps a different perspective. And for lots of us, this is a reminder that words matter to God. It's not, um, and honestly, I feel like this is one of those portions of scripture that we end up kind of talking about just in culture in general. There's a, um, before we get into James, I want to read this um, scripture that's in Proverbs. That is Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue can bring death or life. See, we like that part. But we don't say the second part of it. Okay, listen, y'all like, some of us like, you know, you go there, it's like, you know, there's power and death in the life, or excuse me, there's power of death in life in the tongue, right? Mm, then you don't say the second part. Those who love to talk <laughs> will reap the consequences. <laughs> Which is basically, you know, Solomon's way of saying, don't be talking too much. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you saying way too much. You're doing the most right now, right? That would be the amplified 2023 version. <laughs> You doing the most right now. <laughs> but there's another portion of Scripture in Proverbs that points to this uh, verse, these verses in James. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3 says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> Even though we're in James... Um, I have an annual um, tradition of reading the book of Proverbs in the month of March. Um, primarily because James says anyone who is lacking wisdom can ask God for it and he will give it to you and not rebuke you for asking. It's basically like, listen, you want it? Just ask. I'll give it to you. And I'm not going to even hold you like, it's not, listen, we're not going to even try to figure out why you don't already have it. I'm going to just give it to you because you said you wanted it. I remember reading that when I was a teenager. And just like, and because I can be a little bit of an extremist, just a little, <laughs> I was like, I'm about to ask for wisdom for everything. Like, <laughs> everything. Like, I mean, I mean, I took it literally everything. But then there's something about Proverbs where it's like this practical, common sense, acquired knowledge way of seeing scripture. Most of Proverbs are these nuggets that when you implement them into your life, it's like fertilizing the ground for God to do amazing things with it. And so March is just that annual month. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in March. I read a chapter a day. But this kind of back and forth between Proverbs and James is this beautiful thing. Um, and so, even though we're in James, I wanted to read those verses in Proverbs because that's actually what informs James on what he's talking about. Yes, He's, 
got all of this Holy Spirit-inspired knowledge and understanding to give to us, and much of James is this practical, how you live out this faith kind of to-do book. But much of what he's saying is not brand new. It's his Holy Spirit-inspired, but it's not brand new. He's drawing on wisdom from Proverbs. He says in uh, James chapter 1, 26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, <laughs> and your religion is worthless. Now, listen, we got to talk about James because <laughs> James is an extremist, kind of like your boy, okay? A little bit. <laughs> He's an extremist. Like, listen, I'm going to paint the picture, and we're going to make it real clear. There will be no room for you to misinterpret what I'm saying. If you are saying that you are religious and you don't control your mouth, you are fooling only you <laughs> and... Your religion is worthless. So let's, let's set some ground rules. Because for extremists like James and I, we want to paint a clear picture. But the nuance is you get to be imperfect. Right? You get to be imperfect. Every single morning there's brand new mercy. Every single moment there is grace and mercy following us, right? It's okay. Because one of the things that we can do is we can read an extreme teaching like this and then immediately heap upon ourselves shame, guilt, frustration for when we were running our mouths and now God doesn't like us. <laughs> like, well, wait. <laughs> James is pointing a clear picture so we know what is good. So there's no misconception about what is good, what's good and what's not good. Control your tongue. That's what he's saying, your mouth, right? Not just the actual part of your, like what you say. If we don't have that in us, then what we feel about our religion is not worth what it actually is, how we're living it out. So the primary portion of scripture we're in is, in, like I said, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. <laughs> For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Remember a couple weeks ago when we did the little Jenga thing? This was that sermon I was talking about. I was like, oh, we'll get to this one in a minute. This is important for us. So if I can come a little bit from the extreme, pull it into a little bit of the nuance, I'm gonna explain what I believe James is saying. <clears throat> is that a lot of us have a lot of advice for a lot of people. Right? I'm not saying that, that you know, we shouldn't desire the gift of teaching. That's a wonderful gift, and use it if you got it. But uh, if you don't, <laughs> and the first time somebody says something, ooh, let me tell you what you should do. Bro, sis, I got, I, let me tell you, this is what I do, and this is what I did, and you are 
not living that proverb, those of you who like to talk too much. <laughs> James also says something else. I'm like, it's not going to show up on the screen. Um, and it's talking about, he's talking about anger and our anger not producing the righteousness of God. He says that we should be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Some of us have that slow to anger part perhaps nailed down, but that slow to speak part, I see those as an and, right? Like it's not quick to listen or slow to speak or slow to get angry. I see that as a recipe that you need all of those ingredients, <laughs> right? There is something godly about taking a breath before immediately giving our thoughts, our advice, our teachings. There is something godly about that because sometimes what we have actually isn't for them. Where we show up in, we put ourselves in the Holy Spirit's seat because the Holy Spirit actually needs to speak to them. There are times where I legitimately, some folks call or text me, and I know the answer right away, and the Spirit is like, don't say nothing. I'm working with them. Got it. <laughs> but if we don't allow for that moment to happen, then we rob folks of the opportunity to sit in the tension and be comforted by the Spirit, and guided by the Spirit, and led by the Spirit, and ultimately, then, we become the Holy Spirit for them. I think James is pointing to similar concepts when he says that not all of us should want to be teachers because we are judged more strictly. That judged more strictly is because there's a responsibility in shepherding what happens in between their initiation and what I say. I've got to steward that moment. He continues, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. <laughs> Oh, James. <laughs> we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn whatever, wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. He's just painting a picture. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I got to pause. I have to pause. Because I don't know that we all, like, we know this to be true, that our words, what we say, when we say it, how we say it, we know that it matters. But I don't know that we always actually act like we know that. And most of us apply that to not offending people. That's good. I'm proud of you. But we don't apply that to 
not always stepping in when we're not supposed to be there. It's this combination of both of it. Yeah, don't offend people, that's great. Or sometimes you need to. I'm gonna let you sit with that for a second because you're like, what did he just say? Sometimes you do need to be offensive. And I don't mean unloving. I don't mean cruel. I don't mean that you start gossiping and running off at the mouth talking about people, no. But sometimes the only thing that is actually going to be beneficial and fruitful in a person's life is that you offend the pride that's in them and then they need to go talk with the Lord about it. <laughs> now, if I don't take a pause and I don't take a minute, then I'm actually more, more than likely retaliating, <laughs> right? It's me trying to get vengeance. But if I take a pause, I take a moment, I breathe and say, Holy Spirit, what you want to do right now? Yes. You want me to say that? Okay, you know they're going to be offended, right? Okay, well then you'll work it out. Yes. I want to stretch this for us because most of us are used to talking about not saying the wrong thing. And I actually want to challenge our idea of saying the right thing yes. at the wrong time. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. He gets extreme again. It's a whole world of wickedness, yeah, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I needed to see this picture because this is what immediately like shows up in my head when I like see when James is talking. He's trying to paint a real clear picture. But those of us who have practiced running our mouths, <laughs> we have a history of running our mouths, saying the right thing at the wrong time or the wrong thing at the right time. <laughs> We've lived that. And when we read James, it's like, amen, brother. <laughs> I have lived that several times. Yeah. And unfortunately, as an extremist, the only way that I've really learned how to pause is by making a whole bunch of mistakes with what I say. Yeah. And needing to come back and be like, yeah, my bad, I was wrong there. I shouldn't have said that. Or needing to go back, cause not because they were offended, but because now the pattern of your life is that you're only comforted by me. Yeah, my bad. I stepped in too quick. And I actually should have let you linger there for a minute. My bad. It's on me. I'm judged more strictly, because I put myself in that teacher seat. This, I think James is painting an intense picture on purpose, because we will more likely 
diminish the significance of our words than exaggerate them. We will give our words a lot more grace and mercy than they're worthy of. When you say that one thing to that one person because you were feeling that one thing and then you walk away and your spirit is like, you shouldn't have said that, but your mind is like, well, they had it coming. Because if they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have said that. And if they hadn't have said this, I wouldn't have said that. And so they had that coming. Yeah, that's probably more mercy than you need to give yourself. Because <laughs> you set something on fire. Or like that one moment where you're in a conversation with somebody and you're not listening to a word they're saying, but you are formulating every word that you're about to say. And let them say this. I'm going to say this right here. And if they say this, I'm going to say that. Oh, I wish they would bring that up. Bring it up. I got something for it because I've been working on it for the last two months. Listen, we setting fires. We light matches. We will grossly underestimate the power of our words, and that's why Solomon speaks so extremely about it. The power of life and death is in our words, which feels extreme, but I think it's probably more extreme not because, not just because our words can actually long-term lead to death. Yes, that's true. It can. As those of us who are parents, we know when, how we speak to our children will set a pattern for how their adulthood would be. And if we don't have children, think about the way your mama and your daddy talk to you. <laughs> and if those things are never resolved, death can be the result of that. It's okay for us to know that. Neither Solomon nor James may have been thinking that far ahead, but I do know that they're painting an extreme picture for us because we will underestimate how our words will impact both the natural and spiritual. Some of us don't think we have authority spiritually with our words, so we don't say things when we should. And some of us think we have too much authority, so we say stuff we shouldn't. And James and Solomon are working in tandem with multiple generations between them to help us get to a space of in the middle. I left this picture up as long as I did because I want us to have it in our hearts. If it is going to burn somewhere, let it burn in your heart that what I say will impact something. And what impact do I want to have? The title of the sermon, we're not done with scripture, but the title of the sermon is that words matter to God. And one of the things I was reflecting on in the middle of the week is the fact that literally the beginning of all creation started with words. And the end, and even the redemption of creation is with words, right? If you read through Revelation, Jesus comes down wearing the white horse with the tattoo on his thigh. Yeah, y'all got to read that in Revelation. 
And he doesn't start, like, you know, getting a battle axe and a shield out. Like, he doesn't come out, like, all buff. He just starts talking and stuff starts dying. <laughs> Words matter to God. And if life beginning and death ending is in the power of someone's tongue and we are created in that image, then we have similar, not the same, but similar authority and have to steward that. Okay. Verses 7 and 8. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. I'm going to come back to that. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Let that sit in and stir some stuff up and convict us. Yeah. It's okay. That's James's job. Honestly, I'm, I've actually come to the conclusion that all of James, that's, his whole book was like, let me convict these people real quick. <laughs> let, let me just let some stuff, let some stuff need to fall off these folks. So let me just say a bunch of extreme things that they know is going to touch. And yeah, we sing praises to God and we curse the politician we don't like. Yep, I know. That was your toe. Don't blame me. I'm an extremist in the hands of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but come on. We are here listening to gospel and contemporary Christian music on the radio. Somebody pulls us, like somebody cuts in front of us, and we cuss them all the way out. And then go back, so I throw up my hands. <laughs> uh-huh. Don't act like you don't, okay? Listen. Look, help us. <laughs> and if you ain't doing it with your tongue, you're doing it with a finger. And so, <laughs> and that part needs some, some work too, no? <laughs> right? He continues. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out from both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. It doesn't have to go back on the screen, but I wanna go to this seven and eight real quick. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, a restless, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. That can feel hopeless especially when we start talking about the next part. But I wanted to come back to it because of that word tame, that taming part. It's something that we do intentionally, right? 
Those of us who have pets, and if we've done work to train our pets, there's a way to do this. You, this is the behavior I want. You treat the mess out of this dog until they do what you want, right? That's the goal. It's like, I'm going to reward you over and over and over again. And, 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 and when you've got it, we'll celebrate big and we'll keep maintaining it. If you, watch, if you watch any show where they are like, you know, one of my favorite shows is like, you know, this uh, show that's like behind the scenes at a zoo, right? <laughs> like, and you watch them. They're training elephants and rhinos to do amazing things. Like, put your paw here. Put your, like, open up your mouth so I can brush your teeth, rhino. Like, and it's just years of conditioning them to do the behavior you want. Yeah, your tongue is not that. Here's the problem, because we are both punished and rewarded by what we say. When I say the wrong things and I feel like I'm justified, emotionally I'm rewarded. Physically I'm punished. Uh, and there's no way to get the pattern down of what I should and what I shouldn't say. And so, yeah, some things, yeah, we know that there's some things I shouldn't say because over time I learned that I shouldn't. But that's not exactly what, that's, it's not the same thing as taming something. Our tongue cannot be tamed because we cannot always anticipate the outcome of what we say. That's just the truth. We do not have the capacity to anticipate what the outcome will always be, so it will never actually be tamed. And that's why James is saying what he's saying, and it can feel hopeless. And I wish James would have said it, but he's kind of getting to it. It can't be tamed, but it can and should be surrendered. I can't tame my tongue, but I can surrender it. I may not be able to control it, but I can surrender it. I can allow my words to be led by the one who started creation by saying, let there be. I can let my words be led by the one who will end corruption and sin by just talking. If I try to wordsmith my way into making things good for people around me, I will trip over my own thoughts. That's how this works. I will trip over myself because I am human and I cannot always anticipate what's coming. But if I say, Holy Spirit, guide my words. James is painting an extreme picture so that we will then stop hoping in our own ability to tame our words. It's an extreme picture. You're going to catch something on fire if you keep trusting in yourself, Chase. And it's not going to be what you think it is. Good intentions or not. That doesn't mean you are unholy. It doesn't mean you are evil. It just means your best case scenario is surrendering your words. Because I'm the one who sees 40 years down the road and sees the impact of these words. I'm the one 
that sees the trauma that they experienced at three and a half that you know nothing about. And the words that you will say will trigger or settle that. You already gave us the little bit of that out in saying that we're imperfect, right? We don't, we make mistakes. This isn't about being perfect. Here's the thing. My messed up words in the Holy Spirit's hands can still heal and restore. Me stumbling over my words and not saying the right thing or just sitting awkwardly silent in the hands of the Holy Spirit can still bear fruit that I would never be able to bear if I sat there and made this beautiful, beautiful, elaborate speech. Your speech in only your hands will catch something on fire. Your silence or speech or stuttering or mumbling in the hands of the Holy Spirit will do something you could never imagine doing. That's why words matter to God. Because we have been made with the similar authority for life and death to be the result of what we say and what we don't say. I want to actually not just encourage, I want to challenge us with surrendering our words. Surrendering. For those of us who are a bit more extroverted and we like to talk too much, listen, I got my hand up first because that's me. Okay, look, somebody else put their hand up too. Look, it's all right. Yep, it's all right. Look, confess. <laughs> we got all the words, all of them right. We walk away feeling good too. I said it. God be praised. <laughs> I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to take a beat. Not as a form of conditioning, but as a, ma- as a matter of surrendering. And then those of us who are a little more introverted and you have something that is stirring in your soul to say and you argue with the Holy Spirit, like, let them say it, God. They got it. <laughs> Look, if you can tell me, then you can tell them words matter to God and who they come from also matter. So my challenge, take the beat you need to gather the courage you need, but also speak the life that God has actually put inside of you. This is not about becoming more or less extroverted or, extroverted or introverted. It's about surrendering our words, our tongue to the Holy Spirit and say, you speak life through me. Or you kill something that needs to be killed through me. I'm content either way. This is not about being the same, but it is about being surrendered together. You know who you are. (laughs) You know who you are. You know where you are on this continuum. And those of us who have been kicking it with Jesus long enough to have had this, okay, Lord, you've worked this in me. 
that's something that the rest of us younger people need to know. Sometimes the go-to may be for you to walk away when someone's saying something that they shouldn't say, but Holy Spirit, give me the words. And if nothing else that you can say is like to point to these portions of scripture, it's okay. This is a, the complex part of this is the surrendering part. The simple part is the knowledge that what we say matters. The complex part is navigating that. Ah, oh, God, did I, am I doing it the right way? So don't worry about the right way. Holy Spirit, guide my words. And then when I leave unsure, Holy Spirit, will you translate for me? Take the pressure off of yourself. That's, about, that's what it is about surrendering. It ain't about you no more. <laughs> Translate. Will you go and just check? There are, I, I say this to like when I'm, uh, um, <clears throat> when we're doing like ministerial development and talking about sermons. So, so generally speaking, when someone else is preaching, we talk about the sermon afterwards and we kind of talk through things that were great, things that we can improve, blah, 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 right? Well, there are times, I've said this to everyone who's preached here, there are times where I'm saying something and somebody comes up to me, when you said X, Y, Z, I'm like, I never said that. <laughs> it impacted me, oh, my soul was so enriched. I have, I never said those words. <laughs> Pastor John is like, yep, like, I have never said those words. <laughs> and it's because the Holy Spirit translates, <laughs> gives you what you need. So it's really not about us in that way. We're just stewards of the words. That's it. So I want to give us a second. Just like I started, give us a moment before immediately moving. God, I want to surrender this part of myself. When you get to that space where that's where you know you are, you can just whisper that. <clears throat> Don't give me the perfect words. Holy Spirit, give me the words that matter to you. Some of us actually have something in our minds and our hearts. You need to have a crucial conversation with somebody. And you haven't started because you don't have the words. Holy Spirit, I don't need the perfect words. I need your words, the words that you think matter. Help me trust you. Some of us know exactly what we're going to say, but we haven't surrendered those words to the Father. Before we say them, Holy Spirit, are these the words that you think matter? Those of you um, who have, um, we've, got a, we've got a quite a few people in our church family who have the gift of prophecy. Um, I love it. 
you're in that teacher boat too. One of the most challenging things for us is to hold the gift and know when to say what we say. God, I know you're speaking, but also let me know when to say. Right? All of that. All of that. Because sometimes we know we heard from the Lord, but we jump or we wait. And those of us who have been on that journey and we know, God, just tell me when. Just tell me when. Now, okay. We need you to tell us. Teach us how to do that. We need you to teach us how to do that. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll head out. Our God, our Father, you made this whole thing up that what we say matters. You did that, and you demonstrated it by not just doing stuff with your hands. Yeah, you made humanity. You got into the dust with us, and you formed humanity with your hands, but everything else, literally, you just spoke into being. Yes, you do things with your hands and you perform miracles to redeem, but at the end, you will redeem all of creation with your words. And that is intentional. I believe you're pointing to something that matters. Words matter to you. Speaking matters to you. And we want to be people for whom words matter because they matter to you, God. We want to be people for whom speaking is a powerful way of engaging with creation. So we surrender our speech, our words, our thoughts, our ideas, our opinions. We don't declare them all bad, but we surrender them either way. Good, bad, or indifferent. We surrender them to you. That you may use them to bring life or death where it's needed. That you would elevate and also smash. You would cultivate. But also bring silence to. Teach us, God. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Your mercy that our words don't have to be perfect. And we also thank you for your grace and inviting us to surrender our words to you. Bear fruit in what we say. In Jesus' name, amen.